Welcome to So You Want to Be a Witch, the podcast for soul-centered entrepreneurs and the people who love them. Hello, hello. Welcome to Free Coaching Thursday. Today we're going to be talking about what to do when your Facebook group isn't buying, what to do when you doubt your own decision making, how to price your stuff when you're brand new, how to find the balance between protecting your intellectual property, being accessible to stuff and more. Real quick, if you are catching this over on the podcast on the replay, the way you can come and play, or if you're catching this on Instagram on the replay, is on Wednesdays over in my Instagram at Sarah M. Chapel. We post a question box in my stories that says, uh, what do you need help with? And then Thursdays around 1 p.m. Eastern time, I go live and answer as many questions as possible. Also heads up, I'm recording in a different space today, so and we have a bunch of fans running because it's hot. Uh, if the sound is a little wonky as a result, I apologize. Um, but I hope we will still be able to get, of course, some good supportive uh, feedback, content, things to help you with, all right? I also have my computer in front of me and I'm trying not to like keep looking down at, at the recording I'm making. Um, Oh yeah, I'm Sarah M. Chapel. I'm the founder of the Holistic Business Academy, and I'm excited to help you grow a holistic, sustainable business that you don't hate, that does good work, that pays you well while being aligned with your values, like stuff like that. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, let's dive in. Alrighty. So we have a question, how to trust my decision making? Oof. And also how to get unstuck and out of burnout. Um, so I'm imagining, cause you mentioned both of these, that they are related in your mind and they seem like they're probably related to me, um, in my mind as well that I'm reading them because if you're not trusting your own decision-making, that is keeping you stuck. Right. And my guess is the stress around not trusting your decision-making is probably part of the burnout. Right. Uh, a lot of times when we don't trust our decisions, what we do is we have like kind of one foot in two worlds, right. Or in two possibilities. And we're trying to straddle the line and almost maybe even taste what each of them are before we make a choice, but that's not sustainable long-term. Straddling the, the different possibilities will lead to burnout. It's, ang it's anxiety producing, it's eating up a lot of cognitive um, brain activity. Your brain's working too hard. <laughs> And ultimately that can really reinforce this kind of like burnout place, right? So the first thing you mentioned being burned out, it is very hard to make decisions when we're burned out, like nearly impossible. Um, and I don't mean that to sound um, like, and you're fucked. That's definitely not what I mean. But recognizing that burnout, especially as like a physical experience, you know, your body is probably triaging pretty hard right now. Um, you know, I've experienced burnout several times um, and I experienced, you know, kind of like just inflammatory stress pretty commonly that's a genetic issue thanks parents so i'm really familiar with that personally and it may of course manifest differently for you but noticing that if you are burnt out your body is is burnt out right it's not just your mind and your body is these things are connected to same same human <laughs> um but it's likely that your body is triaging resources to some extent burnout often can have extreme brain fog and um it's not surprising that making decisions is hard in that place, right? And really hard to trust your decision-making when you are exhausted and you don't really have the cognitive or physical energy to move things forward. So it sounds like from your very, from your snippet here, the first step might be giving yourself a break. <laughs> and it can feel hard when you've been um, kind of stuck in indecision and you probably have some things on your mind you're trying to decide right now, since that's specifically what you're asking about but you may not be able to cognitively make strong decisions right now. When we are tired, when we haven't been sleeping well, when we're not probably nourished, um, any number of things, 
your brain is like a part of your body. So that decision-making process is often going to be hindered by the physical experiences that are you're probably describing as burnout. So I'd say the first step is that self-trust, while that's a practice, and we can talk a little bit about that in a second, it's going to be hard to trust any decision you make right now because it's probably not being made with all of your resources um, and with like all of your brilliance. So I think my first question to you is, can you give yourself a break? Can you take some time off before you have to make that decision? Does it have to happen right now? I, you know, the frustration of not being able to make a decision, I understand that might feel like some extra pressure, but often what we can do is give ourselves a specific time period that we're going to take a break with a set deadline. And that can help our brain be a little bit less stressed, knowing that we're going to come back to the question on that specific date. Even if it's just this weekend, right? Can you give yourself two days of not worrying about this, knowing that on Monday morning you will come back and you will be able to make a decision. So I think that step one is that your ability to make decisions is likely compromised if you are burnt out. That is normal. Uh, when even like you don't have to be burnt out for this to happen, right? How many of us have hanger issues? Hello, right? If you, I was like, I actually haven't had lunch yet. And I keep doing that on these coaching days. And then I'm like, wow, why am I rambling so much? It's because I haven't eaten anything. So, you know, uh, we, we see this often, like if we don't get a good night's sleep or snippier, right? If we don't eat, your body needs those things. So if you're burnt out, Decision-making is not your body's top priority, right? Your brain is not going to be able to prioritize that. Um, so it can't. what care can you offer yourself kind of on this base level of like nourishment and support first before you stick back and get back into trying to be unstuck? Because it's the muscling through of burnout being like, oh, if I can just solve this problem, then I won't be burnt out. That's backwards, right? We have to actually nourish the, the burnout situation first and then we can move forward. Um, you know, depending on where, you know, obviously I, or not, I'm just talking to you. <laughs> um, I don't know your specific situation. You know, this is also a really great place to get support from a nutritionist, maybe, or a therapist. I say a regular, uh, registered dietitian, um, or a, um, a therapist or an herbalist, potentially, depending on what your symptoms look like. So just being mindful that you might be fe feeling like you have a decision-making issue, but it sounds like you might be having a, um, if, if burnout is what you're describing, that that could be a physical challenge as well. So some nourishment would be step one. Um, and at the very least, trying to give yourself a few days before forcing yourself into making this decision, right? Give, give yourself a break to get some rest if you can. Step two, how do I trust my decision-making? Self-trust is a huge question. Um, and I think that it's a process in the sense that the more that we make decisions, the more we trust our decisions. And that's a little bit challenging. Often we want to feel really confident in our decisions in the moment. The most challenging decisions often don't have a good and a bad, like there's not a bad decision or there's not like a, there's not one right path forward. And that can be really challenging. Our brains like the illusion of certainty that like a, a binary gives us. And um, that's not reality, but your brain often will try to kind of create this like false binary, like, oh, if I pick the right one, everything's gonna be okay. Um, which means one is good and one is bad. And it's usually not true, especially with business decisions. There are a lot of different paths to creating sustainable success for yourself, and um, and there isn't probably one right decision. Also, that's probably if you again, if you're feeling burnt out and having kind of these physical exhaustion symptoms, that's when there isn't a right decision. Like that, it takes more cognitive load to make these decisions that are nuanced. So just you know, give yourself a break is kind of my my go-to right now. Um, but making decisions gets easier in your business over time. So the best way to trust your decision-making process is to make decisions. And if that sounds circular, I, I'm, I am sorry, but that is the truth, is that the more you practice making decisions, the more you reduce the 
attachment to the outcome that comes from it and are able to start receiving what happens as feedback rather than like judgment on yourself. And when we make more decisions, we get better at making decisions. We, we do start to trust ourselves more, but we also start to trust, I think what's more important is not so much our decision-making, but our ability to respond to whatever happens. Because that's the piece that I think where the, a lot of the fear comes from, right? It's not that the decision-making itself, it's a projection into the outcome that hasn't occurred yet. And we're trying to stave that off by like, it's like, we're, we're like, we're like boxing or something, right? Unboxing the future. Um, I know nothing about boxing. Is that a real thing? Um, we're like boxing the future, uh, trying to anticipate all the potential outcomes. That is also anxiety for a lot of folks. Um, and what we actually get better at, I mean, yes, on some level, your predictive qualities will get better. The more decisions you make in your business, the more you try different things. But even more than that, you'll get better at responding to what happens. That's the piece where the self-trust really develops. It's not the decision-making itself. It's how you become able to respond to the outcomes of your decisions. Because here's the big deal. Every business owner makes bad decisions. Every human makes bad decisions. That's what we do, right? I cannot tell you how many bad choices I've made this year. I've made choices that have lost me money, choices that have made me um, feel really out of line with my values. I've made choices that yeah, that made me exhausted, like stuff that I'm like, why did I do that? I've made a lot of bad choices this year. But over the years, what I've gotten better at is noticing when I made a choice that I do not like and choosing again, or responding and figuring out how to respond to the situation that my choice created. So I, I'm kind of inviting you to unravel this a little bit and notice like the decision making, how do I trust my decision making? For a lot of folks, what that really again is about is how do I control the future? And uh, you can't control the future. All you can control are your actions and how you respond to the outcomes of those actions, right? So the decision-making trust then, again, step one, take care of yourself. It sounds like you're really tired and it's very hard to make decisions from a place of burnout. Your body literally like cannot handle it. Um, it is triaging and trying to take care of your like survival right now. Decision-making is going to feel very challenging. So if you're able, I would delay it and focus on some nourishment and rest to the best of your capabilities. I understand if you're running a business, that might be hard. Like I really do get that. But even if it's like going to bed a little bit earlier at night, making sure that you are getting the food you need, drinking enough water, some of that stuff can make a massive difference. Um, as much as it pains me, maybe drink some less coffee. I never do that though, so don't listen to me. <laughs> I've had a lot of coffee today, can you tell? Um, but that second step is recognizing that it's usually not, like decision-making gets easier, but it's usually not the decision itself that is where the lack of trust comes in. It's the lack of trust in our ability to respond to the unknown. Because when we make a decision, we are declaring a desire and we don't know what's gonna come back at us. It's worth noting that not making a decision is also a decision. Staying on the crossroads here, this kind of liminal space where you're straddling different possibilities, that is also a decision. It's often more painful. Because of its passive nature, we are disempowered when we don't make a decision. And, and making any choice can often be a powerful way to reclaim agency if we've been stuck in that in-between crossroads space where we're going nowhere. Um, so at some point, rest, and then make any decision. Often in business, any decision is better. Being stuck on the crossroads, being stuck in place, that's where the real pain emerges. And then you get to get curious, right? How can you support yourself to be responsive to the outcomes of your decision, whether they are what you want or not? Bad decisions are gonna happen in business. That's normal. The skill we get better at is responding to them. Uh, so I hope that's helpful because it's not, 
the self-trust comes with the practice, but I think the bigger piece is the, do you trust yourself to respond to the outcomes that emerge from your choice? And that also gets easier with practice, but also gets, get some rest. Burnout is not the place to be making decisions from. I need to hear that myself too. I'm not always great at that. All right, let's keep going. I'm scared to put together my list of offerings because I think people will think they're dumb. I don't know you and that makes me so sad. I'm sure your offers are not dumb. I know it's not actually helpful, but like if you just need an outsider to be like, I'm sure your offers aren't dumb. There we go. There are a couple different ways to approach this. Um, first of all, great job recognizing that you're scared, right? Sometimes we don't know what's getting in the way of taking action on something. And the fact that you realize that it's because you're afraid people are going to think they're dumb, that's actually really useful information. Because what that's telling me is that you're kind of starting to, it sounds like you're probably starting to build your, um, you're, you're tying your self-worth to something outside of your control, right? Which is people's response to you. Um, and I have kind of two approaches to this. The first is kind of the fuck it, pro fuck it approach, which is the people don't like you. There's a post on my feed, you can go find it, called People Do Not Like You. Um, and it's a really helpful, it can be, I'm saying there's two approaches, so if this one makes you like want to like go like cry in a ditch, don't take this approach. Take, do what feels better. We'll give you two options. Um, but for me, it's actually really helpful to kind of sink into the place of just remembering that there are people who do not fucking like me. They do not like my voice. They do not like my face. They do not like how I talk about things. They don't like the fact that I hate this or love that. They don't like the fact that I drink so much coffee or that I curse. And for all these stupid reasons, people just don't fucking like me. I put my fucking foot in it over on Twitter yesterday, um, shared an opinion in the discourse, and it turns out there's a lot of people who don't like me and even think I should burn at the stake. That was pretty fun. Uh, cool, cool story, guys. Um, I was like, that's a really, really strong comment. Um, pe those people literally don't know me. They know nothing about me except the one sentence response I made to something, right? People do not like you. That can sometimes be very freeing because we actually don't want everyone to like you. That's not the goal. The goal is to find the people you can help with your work. Um, and sometimes just kind of stepping into the place of being like, there's gonna be a bunch of people who don't like me for reasons I don't even know. People are going to project things. People are going to make assumptions based off of one thing you write on the Instagram that they know the whole of you, which is just simply not true. That can be a helpful shift if we start to get in this place where I'm afraid people will think they're dumb. Well, you know what? They probably don't like you anyway. <laughs> No, I mean, I'm kidding, but I'm also not, right? This is real. And we know this, like, in internet land, it gets really confusing because people are making such quick judgments. But we know this from, like, I don't know, like, being in high school. Sometimes there's just people who, like, you just don't get along with. There are people who you don't have good relationships with. And the internet kind of forces us to feel like we should all be able to be friends in a way, like, in real life, that would just literally never happen. You might be able to be cordial to each other, but, like, you wouldn't expect to be best friends with all your coworkers or everybody you go to school with or everyone in your community, right? Being able to get, you know, to like get along as humans is not the same as liking each other. So we kind of have this kind of interesting, like kind of social shift that happens in the online business space, um, because literally, what did we call it? Liking photos, right? It, it's all a little twisted, which is all to say um, that that can be a helpful framework if we start to remember and we operate from the assumption that they're just people who don't fucking like us. That can be very freeing in terms of if we operate, if we know that's true, are we going to really let that stop us from doing our work? Okay, that's the first one. The second idea is if this is new to you, these are your first offers, it is completely okay to want some support from community or from coaches or from friends or colleagues 
to give you like a boost before you share your offers for the first time. It's normal to be scared about showing new shit in the world, but just like anything else, right? Just like if you were making a piece of art or, you know, writing a book or something, be careful who you share it to. Because when you share it to people you have relationships with, often they will uh, feel like they can give you feedback. And if they're not people who actually understand what you're trying to do, that feedback may not be useful. Um, you know, this is why I think it's really valuable to be in a business community, whether you join our community, the Holistic Business Academy, whether you have a small group of like business friends that you can talk to, whether you work with a different coach or a different guide, whatever. It can be helpful to be in communities where people understand what you're doing. Because the thing that's a little bit scary is like, I would never send like my mom my list of offers. She would have no useful feedback to give me. She doesn't even understand what I do. So that wouldn't be very helpful, right? However, like my business coach friends, they're people I definitely ask for feedback because they understand what I'm trying to do. And I'll say, hey, does this make sense? Does this resonate? Is this hitting the mark or am I missing something to an audience that actually has the tools to support me? So that's a different perspective. If you're scared, that's okay. You're probably not alone, but it might be helpful to get a little bit of feedback from folks that you trust who are able to actually support you just to like, sometimes we all need a fucking pat on the back. That is okay. So those are our two approaches, right? The, the fuck off people don't like me approach and the, uh, <laughs> and the getting some help and feedback. Um, and knowing that like, there's nothing like you don't need to do this alone. However you get support, you don't need to do this alone. Um, and you don't need to make this decision to put it out there without having support from other people. I'm sure your offerings are not dumb. That is very rarely the issue if something doesn't go the way we want it to with our business. Usually it's that we're not clearly communicating the value, which is not the same thing. So I hope that helps a little bit. Um, I do find some like cold, cold comfort in the people do not like you strategy, but I also very much enjoy the uh, get people to fucking jazz you up strategy. Who's going to be your, your hype person, right? One of our clients today was talking about being a hype woman and I was like, you need a hype person for your offers. Okay, let's keep going. What to do when a Facebook group is highly engaged but not converting super aware of offers despite promotion? Great question. So first thing is uh, you think you're promoting and they're not aware. That tells me you're probably not promoting as much as you think you are. Even in an active Facebook group, even in an active Instagram, there are always gonna be like huge percentage of people who don't see everything you write. Either they scroll past it, either they're busy, either the algorithm just doesn't serve it to them at a time, you know, or it serves it to them and they miss it and then they can't find it again. If people are not super aware of your offers, you are not promoting enough. So go tell them more. <laughs> and it can feel like overpromotion, but often it's not, right? People are in your Facebook group because they're interested in your work and they're interested in you. And you haven't pretended, um, I do know who this is, so I'm like, I know you haven't like pretended you don't have a business or something. It's not like you like lured them there and now you're like springing an offer on them. They know this is your fucking work, right? So you're probably not promoting as much as you think you are, is like step one. Um, I'd say step two, when things aren't converting, you know, it can be a little hard to triage like remotely in my brain, but Usually what we have is a communication issue. And for me, most sales issues come down to communication. We are either not clearly communicating the value, we're not clearly communicating how it helps people, or we're not really meeting people where they are in their journey. Um, so that can look a couple of different ways. It can look like, you know, well, I mean, and also, or we're promoting it in a way where we're not really speaking clearly to the customer. Often that first one looks like people being like, Oh, I made this cool thing and I'm so excited and I hope you like it. 
And you can do a little bit of that. Like you'll see me in my story sometimes during a launch being like, I'm so excited. Like, of course, because I'm excited. But most of our sales copy in our Instagram posts, in um, our sales pages, in our emails, that's not what we're talking about, right? Sarah behind the scenes, Sarah is a real human and Sarah is fucking excited. Like we just welcomed all these fucking new members to HBA. I'm excited. <laughs> this is awesome, right? Um, but when we're actually crafting sales communications, Sarah's not really part of it. I mean, I might be part of it and I'll tell part of a story or I'll share a perspective, but it's very focused on the customer. Is this an issue you're having? Is this a challenge you're facing? Is this something that you desire? If so, I can help you, right? So often that is a that is an issue. If we're not seeing the conversions we want, we're not actually communicating effectively who it's for and how it's going to help them. And I know that sounds really simple, Often what I realize is that people think they're doing that and they don't and they're not effectively. And it's very hard to self-assess that if you, um, yeah, it's very hard to self-assess that. That's a skill. So this is a great place. Like if you have biz besties, again, if you're working with a coach, if you're in a program or something, get some other eyes on it from folks who are also in business, right? Again, don't ask your friends. Don't ask your customers. Um, your customers don't know what sales copy is like in a nice way, but like that's, that doesn't, that doesn't help. I mean, the ultimate feedback, of course, is when they buy, but you might need some other eyes on some stuff to see if there is a, um, if there's a communication breakdown, right? Or something that can be more clear. And then finally, um, often when things are not converting, the transformation is not clear. Like the, why should they care? What is it? What's in it for them? Right. And we see this a lot when folks are kind of being like, here are the five PDFs you get and like the three worksheets and the like seven videos and the, this, that, and the other thing, right? You know, and I mean, it's not bad to say those things at all. It's important to let people know what they get when they're buying from you, right? You get a 60 minute Zoom, you know, session, right? That matters. However, it's not the most important thing. The, the, the frame for the transformation is much less important than the transformation itself. So if you find yourself kind of listing off essentially the features, right, of your offer in your sales copy, and they're not tied to benefits or transformations, that could be a reason it's not converting. People often then will look at this and be like, oh, that's cool. Look at all that cool stuff. That's cool. And then they won't buy because it doesn't mean anything to them that you have seven beautifully designed PDFs. They don't fucking care. What they care about is what those PDFs make possible for them. So those are the common things that I see when we have something that isn't converting. And also kind of last piece, like you didn't ask this, but I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, if it's not converting, you can shut it down. You didn't ask, but I'm just giving you permission if you need someone to be like, uh, this isn't working as a sales strategy, that's okay, you can shut it down. <laughs> um, or you can shift, you can, you can change it, but sometimes we get really attached to these communities that we've built up and it's okay if you don't want to keep doing that. Um, you may not need that, they may not be implicit even in this, in this question, but here's your stranger on the internet permission to stop doing the thing if it's not working for you. But usually I think we're looking at a communication issue. You're probably not promoting as much as you want as you think you are. And it's probably not clear what that transformation is. So I hope that's helpful. And those of you who are in HBA who are listening to this, just to make a quick note, this is basically exactly what we cover in the validate phase. So when you get to the validate phase, exactly these things I'm talking about, every lesson there is walking through that more specifically. All right. Let's keep going. I think this is our final question today. Balance between protection and access. Design, licensing, creative IP for spirit tools. Ooh, what a juicy question. So I love this because I think it's really a philosophical question is what you're asking me, this balance. Um, the first thing I'll say is that I'm not a lawyer. Weird, right? Um, and fortunately, my lawyer, uh, Catherine DeVos, 
uh, Divine is actually an IP expert. Uh, so I highly recommend Catherine, uh, DeVos Divine Law. Um, she is brilliant, uh, like really, like literally like one of the smartest people I know, um, but also specializes in IP. Uh, and she does have some resources on her page, but if you need a lawyer and you need a lawyer who actually is going to understand why you care about this balance, Catherine's great, or she can make a referral for you. I understand that hiring a lawyer may not be uh, Shauna says Catherine rocks. Catherine rocks. Catherine is really brilliant. Um, Catherine specializes in working with artists and weirdos and mystics and understands that for most of us, we need to find a balance between something like legal protection and our values and how those things can come together. So I recommend Catherine. Um, just a good solid follow anyway, if you have any interest in IP and uh, design licensing creative. So one of the things Catherine has said to me before is this idea of, you know, intellectual property. She also does a lot of trademark work. She does our trademark, she does our trademark work, um, is, is this idea of, of protection, right? But protection in the sense of protecting the idea, protecting the, the concept. And she has asked me in the past something along the lines of, which is a great coaching question, how would you feel if somebody took this concept and ran with it? And it's, I think it's a little bit interesting here because I do think the feelings piece matters, right? We will talk about the practical aspect in a sense, but there's parts of my work that I just don't like, even if I develop them, they're meant for people to take and run with, right? They're meant for people to apply in their businesses. And I know that they will like kind of float around. I'm not going to lie. When I have seen people copy my stuff, that doesn't feel good. That's not, that's not them applying what they're learning from me. That's them stealing from me, right? And I understand there's a lot of reasons that happen and there's a lot of like kind of confusion, I think, in the online space about IP in general and what's appropriate and what's not. But, you know, if you've copied something and just kind of like changed the wording, but it's basically the same or it's literally the same. I don't love that. I don't feel good about that versus seeing people actively apply what I teach. I feel great about that. That's the whole fucking point. Okay. So I think the first thing for you maybe is like just like this kind of like physical check in. Maybe imagine um, Catherine DeVos Div uh, Divine. I always mispronounce that Catherine's name. Let me just write it out real quick and I'll drop it here in the chat. And then we will link, uh, if you're listening over on the podcast, we'll link Catherine up in the show notes. I know it like, I mean, Catherine's a witch, like legit is a witch. Um, so it's helpful to have a lawyer that is, gets it. Um, in addition to just being smart and amazing. So, and if you're an HBA member, there is a bonus training called Protect Your Magic with Catherine that you can watch as well. So you can get a flip sense of her, how she works. And she talks a little bit about IP and that. Um, but I think the first is like, is like a, is almost like a somatic check-in. How do you feel when you think about certain things happening? Cause my guess is something's happened or you're anticipating something happening. And that's, what's bringing up this question. And even though like the felt sense may not be like a legal definition of like protection versus access, I think it can be really helpful for us to see where our boundaries lie in our work, right? For me, again, I need people to apply what I teach. And I recognize that sometimes that means that my concepts and my language are going to end up in other people's mouths. That's part of learning, right? That doesn't mean that people can steal my frameworks, right? Or, or copy my language. That's different. Um, and so I have those boundaries pretty clear. There are also programs of mine, like in my higher end programs, where I give people swipe copy. They're investing to be able to use some of my work as a starting point. That's different than somebody just coming to my sales page and taking my shit. I don't like that as much. I work really hard on that page, okay? So for you personally, you might wanna do a check-in and say, okay, well, 
um, you know, somebody using this worksheet as a jumping off point for something new, maybe I feel fine about that, but someone copying my, you know, this product design and just changing the colors, that's not okay, right? And it's almost like we get to have, we can't anticipate everything and we don't wanna get like stuck in like the anxiety of what could occur. But if we can think about the common issues that might arise, then we know how we want to respond to them. And often that can help to reduce the emotional charge in the moment and help us to be better protected. Now, when you say spirit tools, you know, I don't know specifically what you mean. Um, if you're kind of talking about like spiritual technologies that you're developing, um, like frameworks or systems or methodologies, or if you're talking about like physical stuff, some things are protectable and some things are not. Um, you know, for example, the really classic example is that like recipes are not copyrightable, but other things are. That's why when you go and you like Google like a recipe on the internet, um, there's like a 50 million page story that it goes with the recipe. That's because that is copyrightable, right? So that helps people to protect their assets. And we're going to see this kind of pushing into interesting places in spiritual work, things that probably haven't been tested legally, but you know, it's probably not a far step to say that like, you know, somebody's recipe for a certain kind of something might not be protectable, right? Protectable, is that a word? So I think the second piece here is, right, I was talking a lot about like, you know, how would you feel? What is it with access that you're trying to create? What What is the access question for you? Uh, is it about being properly compensated? Is it about what people can actually do with it? Um, I think a lot of like, you know, artists whose work gets tattooed onto people and they're not getting paid for that work being tattooed onto somebody, you know, that to me, and artists have different perspectives on that, but like that to me is a really good example of like, well, here's this design, right? What is the tattoo licensing for? And it's now being translated into a different form. How does that, how do you want that to be handled in your business? And something else I learned from Catherine, is this concept of like being upfront about it, right? So I would just think, what are the different things that you're anticipating, right? Design, licensing, creative IP for spirit tools. What are the things that are like bringing this question up? And then trying to divine how you think people would use it. And are you okay with that? And then you can essentially make ground rules for it, right? Even if it's not like a, even if you're not like making a legal contract with everybody, you can say, here's how I expect my work to be treated. This is, if you're going to engage my work, this is what I want. This is how I want to be credited. This is what you have to pay me if you want to tattoo it on your body, whatever. So I think ultimately that balance comes down to the fact that if you, it's a personal values question, um, I think that small business owners uh, deserve to have their work protected and respected by the people they support. You know, there is nuance there, but if you have put time and energy and effort into creating something, then it's okay to want to protect it. That doesn't necessarily really reduce access per se. And if you want to increase access, it is okay for you to dictate how people use the things that you've created and to be upfront about that in advance so that they can decide whether or not they want to invest in learning that thing or using that thing. I know that's kind of a bit of a mess. Ultimately, I think it's a values question in addition to being a legal question. I'm still not a lawyer, so still not giving legal advice. But from the values perspective, what are your concerns going to happen and how can you address that in a way that's aligned with your values? But ultimately, your here's my what I think. Your ability to keep creating this work, to cre keep creating these tools is probably predicated upon your ability to be properly compensated for them or at least to have your work protected. 
So not taking care of that is probably going to reduce access because you will be less likely or less able to create more things for people. Um, so I think when we have these pieces in balance, when the work is protected, when your boundaries are clear, when you know what's tolerant, what you will tolerate and what you won't tolerate, then it becomes easier to keep making more work that will impact and benefit people. Versus if, you know, yeah, if your work is completely open source as a very small business owner, um, you may not be properly compensated and may not be able to keep doing your work. I don't know. It's a really good question. I don't know if I have a, I obviously don't have like a very firm answer here, but I think it is a triage and it is a question of like, where, where are your boundaries? And I think recognize it's okay to protect your work. And that actually doesn't necessarily reduce access, but it may just reduce the way people use your work. Um, and that, that should happen through channels that you're comfortable with, that you are dictating because it is your work. Um, and maybe just at the very least thinking about what are the kind of levels of that access that you are you anticipate being uh, people being interested in and what can you do to help to tell them exactly what is okay and not okay. Because a lot of times that stuff comes from, I think, confusion. In my experience also, often folks um, don't realize what they've done, um, you know, or they view it very differently, but people are generally very nice about it in general. We've, not always. Um, so, you know, I, I think that having a plan for how you want to approach it might be ultimately the best solution. But I would probably talk to a lawyer, and I think Catherine is a great person to talk to, if only to get a referral. Um, I don't know if she's available right now, because this is this is a values question, and um, you're, you deserve to be able to keep doing your work. So I think that that's maybe where I would come down on, is just like, what are the boundaries that need to be in place for you to continue to be able to make what you're making? Because yeah, people taking your shit probably isn't it, but that doesn't mean that, you know, nobody gets to use your stuff. I hope that's helpful. It was a little bit rambly. I think it's all the questions we have today. Um, it's so good to be back for free coaching Thursday. I missed it last week uh, or the last two weeks while we were doing our launch. If you're new here or uh, you're listening to this over on the podcast, how this works is on Wednesday over on Instagram stories at Sarah M. Chapel, we post a little question box that says, what do you need help with? Uh, business is usually your best bet. I mean, something like this, like I'm happy to talk about like IP philosophy, but like I'm not a lawyer. So there's there's kind of limits to what I'm really able to, to do, but I'm always happy to answer any questions I can. On Thursday around 1 p.m. Eastern time, I go live and you can, of course, join us live. You can catch the replay on Instagram. And then over on Tuesday, we actually put it out on our podcast feed at So You Want to Be a Witch. So come hang out, get help and let people know. You know, if you have friends who need business support, um, this is a great way to get a little bit of feedback for free and for fun. I'm going to go eat lunch now because I'm very, very hungry. You can tell how hungry I was with that last that last question. It was a little off the rails, but I hope there's still something helpful there. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I hope this is beneficial for you. I appreciate you so much, everyone who submitted questions. Paula says, thank you for doing this. First time you're here to start your podcast. Oh, awesome, Paula. Welcome, welcome. Uh, yeah, we, this is a lot of fun. We do this almost every week, as long as I am either not sick or we're not, you know, doing a launch or something. So we're usually here and... Um, this is super fun for me. So thank you all so much for this opportunity to support you in this way. I will see you next week. Bye for now.